0: Tune Up, your Wednesday night Bible study. Each week we gather together to tune in to the Word of God, learning and growing as we study how to apply God's Word in our everyday lives. Join us at 730 for this powerful Bible study experience. And now, let's get ready for Tune Up. Welcome to The Tune-Up, a new interactive Bible study hosted by Global Outreach Church. I'm Lynette Jackson, and I wanted to just come on for a few moments just to share some information about this new Bible study. It is an interactive Bible study, so you can ask questions of our speakers. So all you have to do is just put your comments or ask a question in the comment section on Facebook. And our speaker will be acknowledging those and reading those and answering your questions at the end of the Bible study. The second thing is this QR code at the top of the screen there. If you scan that QR code, you'll be able to give an offering at the end of service. You'll be able to donate to our food pantry. You'll be able to go to our website. You'll be able to leave a prayer request because that is super important. And you'll also be able to view our previous messages. I'm so excited that we're starting this new Bible study format uh, this year in 2023, uh, hosted by Global Outreach Church. Well, I'm Lynette Jackson, and if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get ready for a tune-up.
1: Amen. It's another month, and happy new month to every one of us. And we thank God for his grace and his mercy over our lives. Wherever you are, just, just thank him. Just bless his name this evening. Another time for tune Hallelujah. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, All our saints and great you bear. Wait. Jesus, no, not one, no, not one. I said, Jesus I'll know all about your struggle. He will guide till the day. i
2: Praise God. Thank you so much for that, Diola. I love that song. Good, good father. Perfect in all of his ways. And beyond that is my father and your father. And to God be the glory. Amen. Welcome to the tune-up tonight. And we want to welcome all of you that's joining us from across the world. We welcome you to this uh, Bible study time that we're calling the tune-up. And I pray that God is going to, in fact, refresh you tonight, rejuvenate you so that you be ready and prepared and equipped for the rest of the week. Amen. Glory be to God. Call your friends, ask them to join us. And don't let me remind you uh, that for these teachings, it's interactive, which means you can ask questions live and even ask or rather, even send your comments, and we'll read them during the course of the night and uh we'll answer your questions as best as we can okay okay so thank you again for spending your evening with us i really do appreciate that i do not take it for granted i know there are many other things we could be doing and so really with joy i just want to really welcome you tonight god bless you really good for joining us amen all right so tonight i want to continue a study that we began weeks ago on the christian's life warfare And so this evening, I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 4. We talked about it a little bit on the last segment, but we want to get more into it in this segment. Nehemiah chapter 4, I'm going to read from the NIV translation, and I'm going to read from verse 15. Nehemiah chapter 4 from verse 15. When our enemies heard that we we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the world each to our own walk. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, I declare that every plot and every assignment of the enemy against you, against your household, against anything that concerns you, that God has already frustrated it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore a sword at his side as he walked. But the man who sounded the trumpet Stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Today for me and you, under the covenant of grace in the New Testament, It's not just our God fighting for us. It's our God has fought for us and has received, obtained the victory in our behalf. Don't ever forget that. You and I today are fighting from victory, not fighting for victory. Amen? Good. Verse 21. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears. From the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside the Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards at night and as workers by day. Neither I, nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when we went for water. Okay, so tonight I want to use the subtitle, I want to I stand the armor of God. I stand the armor of God. Again, coming from Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, obviously, if you were with me last week, you noticed that the enemy came to attack these Jews as they were trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They mocked them, they ridiculed them, they uh, they intimidated them, they threatened them, and on and on and on and on, okay? Now, you would think that after God had frustrated those plans of mocking and ridiculing and intimidation and threat, that all of Nehemiah's problems will have gone away, that those guys, the enemy would have said, would have been. we tried, we lost. Don't don't let's let's leave him alone. Well, not quite. That's not the way it works. Okay. If you recall, in Luke chapter 4, in verse 13, we are told that Jesus himself, after he was baptized at Jordan, was led of the Spirit of God to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And if you remember that passage very well, the enemy came to Jesus and Jesus just threw the water at him. Bam, 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 it's written, it's written, it's written. Okay? In Luke 4:13. We read, and when the enemy, or rather the devil, had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. That's from the King James Version. He departed from him for a season. What's the point I'm making? In Nehemiah chapter 4, we saw the enemy, Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, and all of those guys come against the Jews. They threaten them, they ridiculed them, they mocked them, they... They, they, they intimidated them, and then the war continued. Now, just as with Nehemiah and his people, for me and you today, it's similar. We have attacks. We're getting victory over the attack. But you must know the victory is only for a season. The enemy will leave you for a season to find a better time to re-attack you. We are in a lifetime of warfare. Just understand that, okay? All right. So again, in verses sixteen and seventeen of the passage we just read in Amos chapter four, we read, "It came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work, while the other half held the spears, the shield, the bows, the bows, and the breastplates. Those who were rebuilding the wall, and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other hand holding the weapon. So they were beginning to learn." the nature of the enemy, and the need to be constantly lot prepared, and watchful. We'll learn a couple of things from this package, uh, this passage that I want to highlight immediately. Number one, everyone within the walls was vulnerable to the enemy's attack, and therefore all of them needed to be able to fight when the time arose. In other words, the enemy did not just say, okay, I'm going to go after Nehemiah, I'm going to go after uh, the uh, prince of Judah, I'm going to go, no, no. All of them were under attack. And so for me and you today, it's similar. It's the same thing, okay? Whether you're a pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, apostle, lay leader, it doesn't matter who you are. Or maybe just a member of the congregation. All of us are subject to the enemy attack. All of us, no exemption. Just like what we saw here in the walls of Jerusalem, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter four, and we're going to see in his subsequent passages. It's the same thing. So that's the first thing you need to take away. Everyone in the blood of Christ is subject of attack of the enemy. Now, secondly, and very importantly, we noticed that the priority of the people in Nehemiah's group or day, their priority was not in attacking the enemy, but in continuing the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Very, very instructive. In other words, for me and you today, our priority is not just to uh, be bogged down by what the enemy is doing or not doing. No. You've got to live your life. You've got to move on. You've got to keep on living. You have to keep on uh, being a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to continue to build in the walls of your salvation. You, you don't have the time to make the enemy your priority. That's the mistake many people make. We pack And we just moan and groan and complain and complain and complain and complain. The enemy this, the enemy that, the enemy, the enemy that. No. You do what you need to do, but you keep on moving on. That's what the MI did. Amen? So, spiritual warfare is not just for some elite commando group within the body of Christ. (laughs) No. It's for all of us. Simply because All of us are open to the attack of the enemy. Now, we're going to see a parallel to this passage from Paul's writing to the church at Ephesians. In writing to the saints at Ephesus, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 12, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So Paul warns us, he tells us, who are we really fighting? All of these men that came to attack Nehemiah and his group, even though they came in person, They were motivated, influenced by something else, the devil himself, okay? So for Paul and for Nehemiah, everyone is involved in this fight, whether you want to or whether you know it or not. Therefore, be ready. Therefore, be ready. Nobody will rush into a battle and then try to put on their armor while the battle was already raging that would be crazy that'd be foolish that's not a good plan no neymar ensured that they all had their armor or weapons ready before the attack came in other words it was proactive it was not waiting for a reoccurrence of the attack of the enemy and then equip the people no they were equipped prepared alert, watchful and Ready, and that should be our mindset as well. Amen. Now, uh, again, we should be prepared before the battle begins. Uh, so now le- let me now go to the parallel passage in the book of Ephesians, chapter six, and use this to explain the the, the, the kind of weapons, uh, the spears, the bows, uh, the, the weaponry, the arms that the people had in the time of Nehemiah. In other words, they were working and they were armed. They were working and they were armed. And that's the same thing we should be doing today. Me and you should be engaged in living. Uh, whether you're working, you're going to school, you're doing a business, you should be engaged in enterprise of some sort. But at the same time, you're watchful, you're mindful, you're equipped, you're ready, you're fully dressed in the arm of God so that when opposition comes, you are not taking unawares. Efficiency. Chapter 6, uh, begin from verse 15. Ephesians, chapter 6, begin from verse 15. Uh, actually, begin from verse 14. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I'm just going to uh, uh, call it out. It says, Stand therefore, having your loins guarded with truth. So, the first armor that Paul introduces to us, Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 14 has to do with your loins being guarded with truth. In other words, in the NIV, it says, guard your loins with the belt of truth. Amen? Now, the belt on the... Now, no, okay, let, let me back up a minute. Let me back up a, a minute. This is very important. Now, how did Paul come up with this armor? How, how, I mean, how could he just give us the list of things that constitute the armor of God. What happened? How did he get that revelation? That's very important. The book of Ephesians was written while Paul was in prison. So just picture in your mind, Paul is laying down shackled or is sitting, standing. I don't know how they keep them back then, but it's shackled. That we know. And 24-7, he had a Roman soldier guarding him, fully dressed. Now, he's just like God. This man is in prison. And yet, while in prison, God gives him his classic illustration of a fully dressed Roman soldier. And Paul looks at that Roman soldier, dressed from head to toe in the gaps of the Roman soldier and had an inspiration. He had an inspiration immediately. And it is the picture of the Roman soldier that was guarding him. It is from that picture, that that picture that we see what Paul is now teaching us in the book of Ephesians, showing us what a Roman soldier was like. I think I have a diagram there, if you guys can put that on for me. Thank you very much. So this is the picture what it looks like, what a fully dressed Roman soldier looks like. You can see there, he has the belt of truth, which we are addressing now, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, and of course, the gospel, the sandals of the gospel of peace. That's what a fully dressed Roman soldier, who was keeping guard of Paul, that's how he was dressed. And so Paul sees this picture and says, oh man, okay. And the Holy Spirit quickened him and used the picture of the shoulder who was literally guarding him in prison to give you and I a revelation on how we should be prepared for battle. Isn't that just like God? Glory to God. Hallelujah. That out of that trial, that persecution and problems the poor had, today you and I, we stand in a position To glean and learn something that will keep us for time and eternity. No one Paul said in Philippians chapter 1. He said, the things that happened to me has happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. So now, the first armor is the belt of truth. The belt on the Roman shoulder was the most important piece because nearly all of the other armor was fastened unto it. It held everything together and in place. This is how important truth is. If your faith is based on error, then your armor will fall off. Okay? All of the armor is related to truth. The truth of the gospel sets us free. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth. Shall make you free. Now, can you imagine a person wearing a sagging pants trying to go to war? How far would they get? How effective would that be like? You charge into battle, you are in a war, and your pants are sagging. So you 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 have you're having to 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 pull it up and hold it out. You you get a picture? Now, another good picture that we all can relate to today is the to look at the normal US. A police officer. Just like the Roman shoulder, his belt carries just about a, he holds everything together. His gun holster is on his belt. His bullets are on his belt. His uh, is it Is it what they call that thing? Uh, laser. Uh yeah, it's on his belt. His flashlight is on his belt. His night stick is on his belt. Everything. if you remove his belt, it's finished. It's finished. So this belt of truth is the is the central uh, armor, central tool that holds everything together. And the point Paul is making is that you and I must love truth. Truth. We must hold fast to the truth of the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the way, the, the truth, and the life. Amen. We've, we've got to hold on to truth. Truth is the is that, that, that's it. You don't have truth, you're playing with error. And error, you're fallible. And uh you, 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 just, you just cannot you cannot hold it. Uh, you'll you, you not be able to fight right. Okay, next one is the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so you have your truth on. Next thing is the breastplate of righteousness. This guarded your heart. The righteousness that defeats the enemy is the righteousness of God given as a gift to the believer. Satan cannot answer the work of God and all of his accusations and condemnation is totally repelled by the believer who knows that true Jesus' righteousness is spotless and without fault. There's a beautiful picture in the book of Zechariah. I cannot remember. remember the chapter right now. Where Joshua the high priest came before God, and Satan also came to accuse Joshua the high priest because his garments were filthy. And as he was as he was accusing Joshua before God, Joshua chipped in and said, "Is this not the one that I plucked the brand that I plucked out of the fire?" And God gave an instruction, and the angel came and redressed Joshua with nice ropes that was not filthy that is a picture of what our righteousness is before god there is nothing that you and i can do to earn god's righteousness it's all by faith through the lord jesus christ remember second corinthians five twenty one. he made him to be seen him that need no sin that me and you can become the righteousness of god in him so we don't spend, we don't use our righteousness, our right way of doing things, our, our, our understanding of doing things. No, that doesn't work. It is Jesus' righteousness. So while the enemy is accusing Joshua the high priest, God is saying, listen, I'll put on a new robe on him, the robes of righteousness. Amen? And so for me and you, in battle, you don't try to you talk about how you're a man of integrity, you're a woman of integrity. That don't count. What counts is Jesus's perfect righteousness, which you now have as a free gift because of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, and because you have embraced Jesus, amen. Thirdly, we are told to shut our feet with the gospel of peace, Ephesians 6, verse 15. I particularly like this, I particularly like this most in the Amplified. Let me read Amplified and having shut your feet in preparation to face the enemy with firm fitted stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news, the gospel of peace, okay? So here the challenge with the gospel of peace, with shutting our feet with the gospel of peace, the challenge is many Christians face when they go over to college and come on under attack for their faith. What happens? They were not prepared for the arguments, nor ready for the opposition, that came their way, and consequently, they are not able to stand firm. That is very, very important. Now, if you look at the Roman soldiers' feet, the sandals they wore, the wall, it was not just sandals to uh, for for comfort. No, that sandals did two things. Number one, it provided stability, and then it provided mobility. Stability in the sense that on the on the bottom, on the soles of those shoes, of those sandals were spikes, pretty much like kind of spikes that you have on golf uh, shoes or cleats you have in soccer. But only this time, they are, they are really like spikes. And what the spikes did was it provided firmness as it worked on a terrain. It gave them firmness that allowed for mobility. Okay? So the shoes were for grip and secure footing in battle. So the gospel of peace is that through Jesus's work we have peace we have peace and free access to God. This peace and rest gives us the assurance and stability needed for the fight. Not wavering in our salvation but standing firm and sure that our salvation is secure in God. Now this is very very important. You see when trouble comes when you're in a trial trouble comes the enemy bombards your mind you wonder oh man did i do something wrong i did is it because of my sin is it because i didn't do this so you 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 become unstable you you almost destabilized by trying to wonder maybe you did something that's, that 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 that's causing the problem okay but what the gospel what the sandals of the gospel of peace does for you gives you stability it gives you security to help you know listen i have peace i'm sure i'm certain. I'm assured of my salvation. Nothing that I've done is bringing this upon me. Amen? And so the enemy cannot take my peace. He cannot rob me of my peace because I know that I know that I know I'm a child of God. Now, so the gospel of gospel of peace provides balance, steadfastness, and sure footing, allowing the believer to stand securely in whatever the circumstances we're in. So there are three ways in which we can really uh, understand this gospel of peace and the enemy will try to knock you off stride in each of these three areas, three, three ways. Number one, having peace with God. First and foremost, the gospel of peace provides peace with God. This is through salvation and brings the assurance that all is well between you and the almighty. Amen. This provides a tremendous solid foundation that all lives, that all our lives need to be founded upon. In other words, you have to be born again. And being born again, you have the assurance, you have peace with God. You know that if anything should happen to you, you know where you're going. Amen? So this provides a tremendous solid foundation that all our lives need to be founded on. Therefore, it is also an area that the enemy will try to attack. And cause you to doubt. You will try to get the believer to focus on their own works. Instead of the rock solid finished work of Christ. Amen. Romans Romans 5. 1 and 2 says. Therefore. Since we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith. Into this grace. In which we now stand. So peace with God is number one. Number two. The peace of God. The peace of God. Secondly. The gospel of peace connects us to the author of peace. Providing peace to our hearts in the midst of difficult times. Just like Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything we pray and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding we keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. So you have the peace with God because you are born again. Then you have peace of God in in during times of trial. You 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 rest assured. You've prayed. You know that God is on your side, and you stand assured that hey, God's got your back. And lastly, lastly, peace with others. The gospel of peace allows me and you to have peace with others. There's so much conflict in our world, okay, and there's always something and some reason for which. We have either conflict with family, conflict with friends, conflict with businesses, and we have to keep in mind what the what the Bible is saying to me and you, okay? Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So those are the three levels of peace, peace with God, peace of God, and peace with others. That's what the gospel Uh, the sandals of the gospel of peace represents in the uh, Roman soldier. And that's what me and I should put on now. Then next, the shield of faith. The shield of faith. The shield of faith guides us from the enemy's assault. It is faith that does this. Not faith in faith, but faith in the faithfulness of God. Amen? God's faithfulness is a shield. Remember Genesis 15? I believe verses 1 or 2. God came to Abraham. He said, Do not be afraid. I'm um, your f- shield and exceedingly great reward. Amen. So, God, so the Bible describes God Himself as a shield. And the great saints of the Old Testament, they understood this very well. Now, the Roman should have had a shield that he held in his hand. Okay. And it's a very huge shield. Huge. It's not just a, it's a very huge shield. But the, the, the point here is, even though that shoulder has to use the shield to defend himself. For me and you, yes, we are involved. But more than that, more than the inanimate shield that we may have to hold, Jesus is saying that I am your shield. He is our shield. And, and, and the Jesus factor is before the problem even gets to you, is already aware of it. He knows how to move. He knows what to do. He knows how to protect you. He knows how to shield you. He knows how to, how, to, how to he knows how to get you out of trouble. Huge. So you should always just remember and just remember that Jesus is your shield. David, in Second Samuel chapter twenty-two, verses two and three, this is what he said: He said, "The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge." my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. Amen? So it is fantastic to know that not only do we have a shield of faith, but that Jesus, in fact, himself has taken on that role in our life. And then, of course, we have the helmet of salvation. It doesn't need a rocket scientist to know what that is for. That is for the protection of the head, to guard our mind. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 says, put on as a helmet the hope of salvation. Amen? This is salvation in its fullest sense. This is the hope or the confident assurance that in whatever situation we find ourselves in, God can and will bring us through safely. This guards our mind. Now, you must know, and I'm sure you are aware of this, that much of the Christians' battle Goes on in the mind and thought life. That's why it is. That's the major battle zone between the, our two ears in our minds. The Bible is very, very clear that the battle goes on in our mind. That's what Second Corinthians chapter ten, verses three through five says. This is what Paul says. I said for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. He said the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen? So our minds is a battleground. All kinds of thoughts. I'm going to give you examples in a minute. So what are the kind of thoughts that go through through, through our minds? That can destabilize us. The enemy may say to you, "You are weak and useless." Okay, like it did to Gideon. God came to Gideon and said, "You mighty man of valor." And Gideon said, "Oh no, no, you don't understand. I am the my I'm, my family is the least in Israel." Where is that coming from? That's the enemy. That's the enemy. Okay. Another thing he may use you have seen too many times. God won't forgive you anymore. That's the case with the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. This guy, yes, he messed up big time. Absolutely. Blew it. But even though he blew it, his father never changed his mind about him anytime. But the enemy stood in his heart and said, You know what? You've blown it so many times. You just go home and become a servant. You've lost your place as a, as, as a son. That's a lie. Or, Nobody's coming to help you. You are here by yourself. You're going to be stranded. Nobody is coming to help you. Has ever has those has that thought ever occurred to you? Where you feel like it's you alone and the world. It's you alone against the world. Help is not coming from anywhere else. Where does that thought come from? Even though Jesus said, I'm with you always until the end of the ages, the enemy. Or you may say something like this: you have no purpose in life. You're just a drifter. You're just drifting through life. No purpose. No purpose. Or it may say to you, you will never get free from your past. You will never get free from your past. And the more you dwell on it, the more it looks like, remember I said look like, I didn't say it for you, looks like that past life may upend you. What is it like? God doesn't love you or God does not accept you. Oh, my goodness. How many times have you heard that? (laughs) Something happens and you say, oh, man, God does not love me anymore. These are all things to cause you to be destabilized in your mind. And the enemy knows that once you buy into any of these lies, it's over. That's why Paul says, casting down imaginations. Image, image, the images you have in your head, cast it down. Casting down every imagination and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Cast them down. Yes, as human beings, you cannot. We cannot uh, help. You cannot. Um, how, how do we say this? You cannot. Uh, you cannot stop the bird from flying over your head. You can't. All of us are subject to that. You can't stop the, the bird from flying over your head. But you sure can stop it from building a nest in your head. How do you do that? You cast down the imagination. Every time any of those thoughts come, you cast it down. No, I reject that in Jesus' name. No, that is not my portion in Jesus' name. No, you are a liar in Jesus' name. No, that is not what God says about me in Jesus' name. You cast it down. And really, you now go on to the last armor, which is the sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the spirit? That is the only attacking weapon. And it is the word of God. So as the enemy is bringing these accusations and all these lies and these bring them into your head and sending these thoughts to you rather than receive it, you reject it. And then you can tie it with the corresponding word of God. That's what Jesus did to Satan in the wilderness. No, it is written and he gave him the word. It is written and he gave him the word. It is written. So for me and you, we it is not a luxury to be ignorant of the word of God. I'm sorry. It's not a luxury. You and I need to be wordsmith. And by that I mean, you need to be diligent student of the word of God so that whenever the enemy brings these against you, you have a ready answer. So you are not now searching after the attack has happened. It's already in you. It's built in you. The attack comes, you can't punch. The attack comes, you can't punch. That is how we stand, using the armor of God. Amen? The word of God is is quick and powerful, the Bible says, and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? Good. All right. Now, so let's go to your questions and comments. Uh, We've done this lesson now, uh, stand, the armor of God, and I have a few minutes left. If you have any questions or any comments for that matter, I'll take them now. And while we're doing that, um, I just want to encourage you guys to be a blessing and to continue to help us to serve the world, to carry this message of God's goodness across the nations all over the earth. You can do that by your praying. You can continue to pray for us. And definitely you can sow into the work that we do so that we'll be more empowered to do more in Jesus name. And God bless you for doing that. And so Shadi, it's good to hear from you tonight. God bless you, my dear. God bless you and I uh, look forward to seeing you shortly. Yes, Miss Olayemi Akonde. we thank God for you. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Ah, this is my GQ man, man. <laughs> GQ, Baba Akonde himself. Good evening, man. We thank God for you, man, and uh, it's good for you to log on. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Salvation, what a name. Salvation, Manadam. Amen. Thank you. Thank God for you, dear. Thank God. Amen. Olubadeli, ah. Thank God for you, my friend. It's nice hearing from you. Thank you so much for your encouragement. Glory to God. Amen. All right, Sharon Akinmola. I don't know who that is. Yes, that's my wife. Praise God. (laughs) Sharon, thank you so much. Thanks for joining in. Uh, Thank God for you. Amen. Praise God. All right. Is there anybody else there? Are there any questions? I hope you guys are getting this stuff because it's blessing me, and I hope it's blessing you as well. Uh, So I'm going to just wait another minute. If there's a question, I'll take it. Otherwise, I just move on. Praise God. Sister Nkoyo, thank God for you, my sister. God bless you real good. And give my dog a great uh, greeting for me in Jesus' name. Thank God for you. Bless you. Amen. Lorraine, amen. Thank you so much for joining, Lorraine. And God bless you real good. Look forward to seeing you at some point. Amen. God bless. Have a good evening. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Where are my global partners tonight? I don't see any of my global partners on tonight. From Thailand, from Nepal, from Miami. What's going on around the world? Glory to God. (laughs) Praise God. All right, all right, all right, all right. So uh, uh, again, I want to appreciate you. Uh, Thank God for the opportunity to visit with you tonight and share with you. Uh, I know that uh, time is precious. So we do appreciate you chiming in. And until next time, God bless you. Now remember, stay dressed up, stay armored up, put on your whole armor, not just part of it, but all of it. Amen. That's the only way we are going to be able to maintain the victory that's been obtained for us in Christ Jesus. God bless you. We love you. And again, tune in next week for the tune-up.
0: You've been watching the tune-up. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this Bible study. And until next week, don't forget to check in and get your tune up.